KJ talk normal. Hey guys. <laughs> I'm gonna like laugh a little. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a a nice little sound check. Hey guys, welcome to our podcast. I'm not Riley. And I'm not Shay. And this is The Dive. So in all seriousness, I'm Shay. And I'm Riley. And this is our new podcast, The Dive. Um, welcome to our first episode, Let's Get Id. Do you want to give a little description of our... Yeah. So Let's Get Id. It's a little play on words for the kind of trendy term let's get it mm-hmm. but instead of it we put it because uh we are going to be as Shay said diving a little deep today into maybe some layers that we aren't fully conscious of haha <laughs> wink 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 a little so the it is a little uh shout out to our boy sigmund freud and it is uh essentially our natural impulses the unconscious mm-hmm. and the submerged part of ourselves that we aren't fully aware of. Yep. Um, so, I guess if we wanted to... Well, welcome, first of all. Yes. Uh, we just want to start this off by saying that... <laughs> bless you, Cooper. <laughs> that is my dog, Cooper. <laughs> we just wanted to start this off by saying this is a podcast for casual existential crises, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Um, as Riley said, we are going to be taking a little bit of a deep dive, so feel free to take a pause whenever you need. Um, yeah, so let's get started. Riley, tell me, what do you think of when you think about wax? Usually a candle, mm-hmm. like one of those little candles that you'll see in like church, the front of the church. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, church? Yeah. Church is good too. too. Nice smell. Um, so... I guess to segue into this, there was a philosopher, Rene Descartes, you know, he was, he went on this quest, they call it the quest for certainty, Um, and he was a rationalist, so he believed that knowledge was discovered through reasoning, not so much experience, Um, people would refer to this as a priori knowledge, and his quest was, he was looking for something that couldn't be doubted, you know, Mm -hmm. if we're gonna question knowledge, what is something that cannot be doubted, so He went through three different sections, I guess you could call them. One being the senses, dreams, and deceit. So his first path, um, he found that senses could be deceiving. Senses is something that I feel like, like, would you say that it's pretty reliable to you? Yeah, like your touch, smell, Mm -hmm. feel. Yeah, like it's nothing I've really personally questioned at least. Um, But Descartes says that senses could be deceiving for, I guess if you were to take an air freshener, you know? Mm. It could smell like a forest, but it's not really a forest. It's playing you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Same goes with all of the other senses, like touch and taste and stuff like that. Um, Then dreams, how do we know if we're dreaming or if we're really awake? You know, what is reality? And deceit, like are we living in our own world or are we living in a world that's controlled by an evil deceiver who Who is whose goal is to trick us? You know, <laughs> it sounds funny to me. I think it is. It's a uh, matrix. The matrix. Very much relatable. Right. And the thing with that, leading up into the wax, Descartes comes across 
um, something that he finds cannot be doubted, and he calls this kogito ergo sum, and translated that means I think, therefore I am. Mm. So he says that because we can question all of these these things, and because we are aware of the self, we must exist, and therefore that is like the knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, the wax, in essence, is that. While wax might change shapes and it might be different colors and it could be solid, it could be liquid, the idea of wax in our minds is always just wax and in that, wax is meant to change, right? Mm-hmm. And so wax doesn't change in our mind, although it might change physically. Yeah, very yeah. cool. That's kind of like, um, I guess another analogy like could be like water. Mm-hmm. Like you, when you think of water, I feel like a lot of people would think of like, the, like water in a fresh cup yeah but it could also be like a huge glacier mm-hmm. or like falling from the sky a little snow like yeah like little snowflakes mm-hmm. very interesting that we everyone has their different little idea of one thing yeah exactly <laughs> and i think it kind of just goes to show that there can be two separate ideas of something And it also, to me at least, it showed like how powerful the mind can be. Yeah. Like the fact that he's saying that the only thing we can't doubt and the only thing we can have knowledge of is the mind and and what we think of. Mm -hmm. To me, that really stuck out. So uh, I think it's a lot of interesting points that Descartes made. Like he believed that the power of rationalism, the power of reason is used to achieve like I guess you could say absolute knowledge or mm-hmm. like a f- confirming like your understanding of something yeah. and like your experiences, your senses, like having the ability to prove them, I guess, to yourself and to others. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to him, we have Mr. John Locke, mm. very big in both the uh, medical and philosophical <laughs> worlds, but uh, he... He and Descartes agreed on a lot of things. They were kind of buddy-buddy in that way if they were living in the same time. But Locke, in comparison, believed that knowledge is is based off of one's perceptions mm-hmm. and is based off of the senses and your memory of like past events, things like that. And he believed that instead of knowledge having to be rational, that knowledge originated from your perceptions mm. and things like that. Experiences, yeah. right? So they were the same at first with rationalism and coming from different worlds into philosophy, but they very much did not agree on this one thing. Mm-hmm. So yes, Mr. John Locke believed that all of our knowledge originates from our senses. Mm. And I'm going to quote him here. Consciousness is what makes possible our belief that we are the same identity in different times and different places. So really your ability to be aware of your surroundings, how um, your perspective on your experiences Mm -hmm. and your memories are the key to understanding yourself really. And in times where like you can't recall something, Mm -hmm. like where you can't remember last week, like what you ate for lunch Mm -hmm. or maybe little things like deeper than that, like. Um, Could it be like dementia almost? Yeah, a little bit. Or like where you just don't remember what happened. Those are periods of time where you're just not yourself. Oh. And like, that's kind of like what his, okay. a little bit of his idea was, which I think is so interesting. Like, yeah, he really questioned like, are you even 
or like are you even in the same like soul yeah almost to say that to go as deep as that which whoa lock no yeah that's if you think like i feel like a commonly used phrase is like oh you're not being yourself right Mm -hmm. now yeah like and to me that makes sense with what lock is saying Mm -hmm. so really you have your own concept of like yourself and like i think a big thing that lock took like very not precious but he thought that like your awareness like is super important like mm-hmm. you need to be aware of your surroundings at all times you need to be aware of how you're feeling and mm-hmm. like why you're feeling this and how you ended up feeling like this yeah and um we can kind of segue into um how this affects like one's identity like you want to be aware of yourself of course mm-hmm. how you treat others and things like that and Locke's, one another one of Locke's big ideas was that your physical body is not attached to your personal identity, to your soul, to your your mind yeah. at all. So he has this like he has a really famous example of like if you cut off your hand, yeah, you experience the pain, mm. but it didn't necessarily change your entire personality or like who you are. Mm-hmm. You're if I cut off my hand right now I'd, I'd be like ow like, uh, <laughs> just just ow <laughs> but you know I'd still be I'd still be Riley mm. I'd still be a senior at Punahou about to go to college mm-hmm. like my whole being would still be the same yeah which I mean I feel like people can agree and really disagree with yeah, this yeah I'm I'm thinking wouldn't you think like a traumatic experience mm-hmm. such as that? Exactly. Like, would it not affect yeah. your the the way you're conscious about mm-hmm. things? I think it can really. It really just depends on the event and the person, but it does change. I think it would change anybody on the surface level. Yeah. On the like your super ego, your morals, and mm. like what you hold yourself to that the super ego is your conscious and i feel like now as a now as for your personal identity you now in addition to being yourself you also identify as an amputee yeah and someone who has gone through this like you said traumatic experience yeah going on with Locke, he also believed that these experiences these memories past events are all what link your mind to uh, your present self and your past self and it is this persistence of memories and events that are the the self yeah the self so that's so interesting (laughs) and i think um if i can go off a little bit onto the unit two um to me this really relates to how Locke viewed the person or like knowledge as a blank slate. Mm. Like when people are born, he felt that they were born as just like a blank sheet of paper, right? He referred to this as the tabula rasa. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea that our experiences and what we've been through um, are kind of stamped onto that tabula rasa or that blank slate as we live. (laughs) And that makes us who we are. That Loki sounds like a yoga pose. A yoga pose? Okay, everybody, let's get into the tabula Um, rasa. I think it might be a yoga pose. Um, Let's look it up. (laughs) Let's make it up, maybe. (laughs) Quickly. 
take a little yoga break right now. Um, but yeah, but I really see like the connection between, I guess like his philosophy and the way that he went about seeing the world. Because to me, um, what you said about identity and how like, you know, those experiences would probably slightly change the way we view ourselves or the way we identify, at least on a surface level. Mm -hmm. To me, that really relates to how our experiences and events that we've gone through would change us as people. Yeah, yeah, totally. I fully agree with that. So now that we've kind of talked a bit about Locke and his perspective on knowledge in the self, um, I think this would be a good point to also bring in our boy Leibniz. Ooh, okay. Yep, so Leibniz was also a philosopher, as all of these men are, and he was a rationalist, so he had a very rational point of view on knowledge. And what he said was, rather than viewing knowledge as being stamped on Mm -hmm. to some sort of self or your human, right, your human mind, um, he believed. He, he, <laughs> I was trying to say believed, but I somehow thought the past tense of believe was believed. <laughs> nice, nice. Um. Anyways. Um. So he believed that the human mind at birth has certain. I guess you could call them like innate knowledge, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. certain inclinations or tendencies, and that was like the basis of our knowledge. So you could say that Leibniz and Locke really disagreed with this one yeah. you know could you give us like an example of like one of those um, oh like uh, we with? Yeah. so i guess you could say like breathing oh breathing okay. would be like yeah. an innate knowledge right mm-hmm. like you're born knowing how to breathe um so things like that and i mean you can kind of tell like Locke is a little bit off here right mm-hmm. because he thinks that everything is stamped on yeah so how can we come out knowing how to breathe from... I mean, is that really like knowledge or the knowledge of knowing how to breathe? Is that really... Or is that just pure instinct, instinct right? to, to survive once you escape the womb? Yeah. Like, you know, and that's, that's a line where I'm not sure where to draw because mm-hmm. I think it is very possible to see it as knowledge. Like, you know, like, oh, I know how to breathe. Yeah. But if someone were like, oh, how do you breathe? Like oh, your lungs, you, you know, like, would you be able to describe it? Because I feel like when you're breathing, you don't think. Yeah. Like, you're not thinking like, okay, breathe now. Yeah. You gotta keep going. <laughs> and actually, when you think about it, it makes it harder for yeah, some reason. Yeah, when you think about it, you're like. Yeah. And now release. Okay, like, and now breathe out. Yeah. Going back to yoga, let's hit the top yeah. of the rasa. Hit that. Breathe oh, in. That four wall breathing, you know. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, so that was Leibniz's point of view. And as we were kind of saying just now, like it doesn't seem like any of them are really right. Like to be extreme in both senses, Mm -hmm. to me, it doesn't seem like that could be the answer, right? And so Kant comes in and he provides a compromise or a compromise as Mr. Vieira would say. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, So he... He kind of tells you that, well, you need both, right? Mm -hmm. You need both experiences and knowledge to be able to make sense out of anything in our world. And another key point that he brings up is that you can really only know things that you are able to experience. So if I were to give an example of this, it would be like, 
you wouldn't know how a tree is feeling right now <laughs> because you're not a tree, mm -hmm. right? We're exactly. humans. Exactly, okay. Yeah, so that's a little bit about what Kant thought of knowledge. Our boy Kant, he's kind of like the middleman, mm -hmm. I feel like, in a lot of these situations. Yeah, like, the mediator. Yeah, specifically like in our unit to uh, focus on like identity. We always see Hume, David Hume, mm. as like kind of like not the enemy, but, but he's the bad. always like he's like he's like I'm different. Like you know how we were talking <laughs> I'm about like so uh, quirky. He's like the girl who like tucks her hair behind her ear. And she's like I'm different. <laughs> I'm not like other girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's kind of like that. Like he always takes a different stance from like all the other big names, mm -hmm. you know. But I mean, I guess that's what keeps it interesting, makes yeah. the world go round. Like he challenges. The ideas, but Kant saw Hume's ideas of personal identity to be really dangerous mm. because Hume Hume thought that you know the mind he he's quoted was like the mind is a theater. Okay. And end quote. But <laughs> like we're just going through these scenes, like nothing really sticks. We're just driven by these passions and wow, you know. Which is like, I guess it does make sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you have antagonists in your life and protagonists. Like, these, the these, yeah, these events, like these big scenes that seem so important to you and stuff, but like you move on eventually. Yeah. Like Which, they're only important in the moment. Yeah, exactly. But Kant believed, like how you said, with like experiences and a little bit, like he believed that we construct ourselves mm -hmm. like those experiences that only you can go through only you can understand from your experience are what make the self right? yeah so yeah so he really brings in both the rationalists and the empiricists in this yeah. sense right mm -hmm. because not only is it is it experiences and not only is it what you know on mm -hmm. the world it's both yeah kind of just like to add on to that part because he really he really do be the middleman. Uh, he kind of, he's, sorry, on the self, he's like, it's produced by your reason, like mm. by your rationalization of things around you. So yeah, super cool little bridge he made for yeah. the empirical and rational world. Yeah, wow. I mean, I would have to, in my point of view, Kant is super right mm -hmm. in both aspects because I think either Leaning towards either extreme for both the idea of the self and both the idea of knowledge can be very dangerous, yeah. like you've said earlier. Um, and I think that it's good to think about, especially now that the world is so innovative, mm -hmm. that we really can only know things that we are capable of knowing. My dog is about to bark. <laughs> the mailman is here. <laughs> Okay, so as uh, Shay just kind of said, like because the world is so. Excuse you, sir. My dog. He he really be stealing the spotlight. <laughs> but um, as Shay was saying, like the world is so innovative now. Like you can only really know what you know and what you trust, mm -hmm. and or what sources of information that you trust. And um, this can really make you question like, oh, why do I trust the source? Mm -hmm. Why do I believe this person? And a big part of that is the, like, the fungibility of that information. And um, the definition of fungibility from the Merriman 
Merriam-Webster Mary, Mary Dictionary is being something of such a nature that one part or quantity may be replaced by another equal part or quantity in paying a debt or settling an account. So it's more so an economic term, okay. but people kind of use it in philosophy to uh, like outweigh the value of things. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily your the money value, which I mean, I think people immediately think of today. Because, yeah, because of the world now. Yeah, but um, you know, like the morals that you have mm-hmm. or why something is so special to you. Okay. So a little example is a story that Miss Moriyama told us this week because Miss Moriyama said she was having an off week this week <laughs> of losing a few things. Okay. Please enlighten one, me. <laughs> I would like to know. One of these things was her wedding ring. And oh. when she told us this, we were like, Miss Moriyama, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. Um, but she, because she had it on her and we were like, lost it, it's right there. Like, don't freak out. Like, because we were like, a wedding ring, like, oh, that's a... That's a valuable thing. That's expensive. <laughs> yeah. But she said over the weekend, she thought she had lost it and she was like freaking out because it was very special to her. It was her birthstone, she had said, and it was, uh, I believe her best friend found it for her on the mainland. Wow. Maine, I think was the state she said, but uh, she said like, it's not like I could have just bought another wedding ring and gone down to like Tiffany's and bought yeah. another it would hold the same value money-wise, but not to Miss Moriyama's value. Yeah. Like it wouldn't hold the same appreciation that her her wedding ring that she has now does. Yeah, I guess if I could make a little like connection so that I know I'm understanding this right, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, maybe the ring was expensive, but on top of that, the experience of getting mm-hmm. the ring, mm-hmm. to that, to her, that made it all the more valuable, yeah. right? All the more fungible. Is exactly. Yeah. Did I use the word right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, really, this brings into question, like, what things do people consider when they are thinking about the fungibility of an object, or maybe the fungibility of even an experience, or like mm. the trade-off of two experiences? Okay. So we'll let you guys think a little bit about what you consider when you think about the fungibility of something. But right now we're going to go into a little break. So thank you. Hey Shay, do you like cookies? I do. Do you like cookie dough? Oh, well, let me answer that question. I only ever make cookies to eat the cookie dough, (laughs) so yeah. Well, there is this new place called Edible in McCulley Shopping Center. It's a new local edible cookie dough cafe. (gasps) Wow! We should go try it. I think we should. And support a local business. A local business, especially in times like these. Yes. Um, local businesses could really use our help. So, I still feel like we need a little breather, so why don't we talk a little bit about what we've been doing recently, you know? While we're not philosophically thinking. While we're not thinking (laughs) philosophically. Yeah, exactly. 
um, which is only about 30 minutes yeah, from my entire not day. Not very long. We're always we're, we're always, always going trying to go beyond and think about why and asking ourselves. We're always thinking really about our existence. Yeah. Um, questioning authority. <laughs> yeah. Um, listening to those diss tracks by Sigmund Freud. Ugh. Okay. Well, <laughs> recently, personally, I've been really into the neighborhood. The band, the name. Yes, because they kind of released a new album yeah. recently, right? I don't remember what it's called, but I do like Stargazing. That's is a really it, that's good a, song. Is that an older song? Um, I think it was on their new album. Oh yeah, it's so it's the album Chip Chrome and the Monotones is what Stargazing is on. Oh, but this is <gasps> the... Oh yes, I like the song Pretty Boy from that oh, album. I was just going to mm -hmm. say that. Yeah, that one is so good. Um, lately, I've been into... Like these YouTube mixes mm -hmm. of like songs, but they make you feel like you're somewhere else. So like the song is edited so that like oh you're driving down like a long empty oh. highway or like you're in an empty arena, and it's kind of like nice because even though I'm like stuck in my room because like of course I can't go out and party right now. Like, yeah, it kind of makes you feel like the same vibe. So maybe we'll insert a clip right here. <laughs> break we thought we'd go into this question that we came up with how does our identity affect our outlook both on well on everything I guess both life the world knowledge and everything in between mm -hmm. that's a great question mm -hmm. I wonder how you came up with that <laughs> yeah how did I come up with that <laughs> uh, okay so let's just kind of dive into that but uh, as our unit for Ms. Moriyama's class was really focused on personal identity and this essential question of, is there a self? Mm. And does this self endure over time and space and can it change and can it go back to its, I guess, standard setting? And then when you kind of think about or ask yourself, is there a self? And like kind of reflect that on that personally, it's a, <laughs> it's a lot, but... Yeah. Like, you really get to, like, think about you mm -hmm. and what parts of your identity are most important and really how you've grown to prioritize them in your life and how they have influenced how you lead your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to be aware of these types of things because you can then kind of organize. I don't want to say like organize your life because I mean, I don't really even believe that you need to have a certain plan, you know? I think you should be able to kind of just be like free mm -hmm. in a sense, but um, it's cool to think like, oh, this is important to me and you know, I'm gonna stand by it because that's who I am. And mm -hmm. like to know, be able to know why and see these experiences that you've had and how they've 
touched you in a way. It's very personal and intimate and important to reflect upon. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think every once in a while, especially in a class like this, where a lot of the te- a lot of the topics that we discuss, um, I feel like people would describe them as like very heavy. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. it's not something to be taken <laughs> lightly. Yeah. While you may not take everything to heart, mm-hmm. it's definitely something that kind of makes you question yourself, especially on topics like, is there a self? Yeah. Do I exist? Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Like you said, I do think it's really important to reflect on all of these experiences and everything that we've gone through in life and see, like, yeah, I do exist. And here mm-hmm. are the things that contribute to my existence. Yeah. You like, know? you definitely wouldn't walk up to someone and say, do you believe in God? Yeah. And, like, tell me why or why not. Like, let's, <laughs> give, me, give me some facts to support. <laughs> give me some philosophers to support your argument. Yeah, you need to have at least three quotes, <laughs> two primary sources, and interview yeah Yeah. (laughs) so yeah i think it's really cool that we were able to have these types of conversations um in a safe space too like yeah and so if we're going to talk about you know our identity and how our experiences have played their part in forming our identity and the self um i kind of wanted to bring up something that i thought was super interesting in my unit in mr vieira's class this past week which was the feminist epistemology Ooh, yeah so i like the sound of it i know it sounds so fancy right <laughs> it feels nice to say it makes me feel really smart um, <laughs> so earlier we talked with you guys a little bit about kant and his perspective that um you can only know things that you yourself are able to experience and within that category is the feminist epistemology so in that sense how are women's experiences and I guess upbringings and just being mm-hmm. a woman, how does that change the way we experience the world and the way we view knowledge and wow. what we can know, right? Mm-hmm. So we're both girls. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, we are both females. <laughs> we, we are both females, yeah. So I guess, like, what are some things that you th- you know only girls go through or some things that you find interesting well i think that the that the um topics within feminism and this feminist epistemology Mm -hmm. like i think it's definitely changed over time oh yeah to be like i think it's a very conservative like when you think about it like in the past like early 20th century you think like oh it's it's a very conservative ideology Mm -hmm. and then when you kind of more I think it just it really does depend on your family and your culture and honestly where you're growing up yeah in the world like it's definitely more progressive now yeah but I think like personal something that all girls will experience is like or think about or be warned about is Mm -hmm. like your girl and you need to protect yourself from Mm -hmm. the dangers of the world because you can experience something that the male species can't yeah rape yeah i mean rape or sexual assault Mm -hmm. or you know just these traumatic experiences that i mean guys can definitely go through that too yeah i'm not saying that but But i think statistically speaking yes more women than men and i feel like there's a huge emphasis, like, to tell girls, like, don't wear that. Yeah, or else cover up. Or else you're gonna get 
like you're asking you're for. asking for exactly yeah. like I think that's a or like not even like just the clothes like um, I think people like the way you present yourself like if you're confident people are gonna be like Oh, she's trying to be like someone she's not. not. Yeah. yeah. Or like she's trying to get all this attention and it's she's gonna, cocky. Yeah, it's gonna bite her in the butt. Like yeah. a little. But I mean, I think which is terrible. Mm-hmm. You should never tell anyone like you're being. I mean, unless they are being a little cocky, you know, <laughs> a little like narcissistic. But I think that it's amazing when somebody has the confidence to. Present themselves however they want to because the world is a very judgmental place. Yeah. When you see that, you want to celebrate it. Yeah, exactly. And I think going off of that topic about how, you know, a a girl might wear something and it's like, oh, she's cocky or Mm -hmm. she might wear something else and it's like, oh, she's like so modest, you know. I mean, not that being modest is a bad thing. I don't think it has any negative connotations, but it kind of brings up... I'm not too sure what the correct term for this is, but, like, I want to say, like, a double negative. Like, the mm. whole thing of, oh, she wears too much clothes. Oh, she's asking for it. Yeah. You know, she's you a You can't slut. win. Yeah. Can't There's win no way you. that you could win. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate to quote T-Swift, but... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Taylor Swift talking about... Oh, I about, know what you're going to say. Yeah. How, say. how for women like doing something like a smart move i forget mm-hmm. did she say it's like it's calculated right mm-hmm. yeah but for a man doing the same exact smart move it's it's strategic oh so like the difference the different views how women can do the exact same thing that a man does but somehow mm-hmm. it's always seen as negative mm-hmm. you know i just saw like a tiktok but it was a stand-up comedian and she was making this joke about how like if I were, she, she's, she's a female stand-up comedian, but she was just saying this example about how like a guy could do something and it would be totally funny and everybody would laugh. Like if he got up on top of the desk during class and like started dancing, people would be like laughing. But if a girl did it, oh, she would be weird. like, she's so crazy. Like, what is she, like, why does she think she can do that? What is she doing? Yeah. And like, people would be super judgmental. But if it was a guy, people would just, like laugh it off like oh he's just the class yeah so Uh, food for thought stupid gender gender role (laughs) we even see it now today like reversed right like like how i feel like more parents are being more accepting of boys wanting to play with dolls Mm -hmm. whereas girls were always seen as the group of people to play with dolls right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so the changes throughout the times on um, how people are able to go about and express themselves in the world and how they're able to interact like with the world in general, I think is really changing. Yeah. Which is nice to see. Yes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can move on to our second question that we have. Number... Number dos. Oh, what? Number five. <laughs> For, because you can't see us, I held up the number five. <laughs> And Shay said dose. <laughs> so, so it's not that I've taken Spanish for four years in high school. Um, <laughs> do you want to ask the okay. question, Riley? So the question is, what if you live for knowledge, especially in a world where innovation is advocated for? What does this say about your identity? Yeah, so we kind of wanted to combine our units with this question. 
Um, I think the, the question that we asked previously also combined it, but this one more obviously combines it, you know, talking about knowledge and the self. So when we think of knowledge, I guess like, how did we come up with this question? Uh, I think we were thinking about like, um, like, like what is knowledge, right? Yeah, what is, like the basis of epistemology, like yeah. that is like the nature of knowledge, like what, what is what it? Is it? Like, and I feel like before we talked about it, um, everyone was like, oh, like it's the facts, it's mm-hmm. science, right? But how do we know that science is real? How can we trust it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So if we were to, f- to define knowledge, well, I guess we kind of find out that the way we used to define knowledge is completely false. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that sense, if you lived for that definition of knowledge, what does that say about your identity? Does that make you yourself false? Ooh. Because you're living for something that isn't exactly what it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think scientists are really amazing people, you know? And I myself want to go into STEM, so mm-hmm. I'm not trying to discredit them at all, but if they're living to prove something, and if we've kind of talked about that as I want to say fake, but not fake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's it's a complicated topic to yeah. express my ideas on. But, I don't know, I guess, like, what does that say about our identity? Do you have anything to... I think there's this whole, like, other side to the question of, like, the spectrum of knowledge itself. Mm. And what you define as knowledge. Because we could, like, you could take the ep- epistemal... Would that be the right way to say the word? Well, anyway, you can take... (laughs) The definition (laughs) we've defined in class. (laughs) You can take, like, your senses and your experiences Mm -hmm. as knowledge. And I think that's, like, a huge thing people, like, don't consider sometimes. Like, Like, the example of, like, going away to college. You're not only going away to college to, like, take the super... I mean, it's a huge part of it, but, like, you're to take the classroom that's super established professor and to like have all these resources and like labs and uh like sources available to you like building like the huge other part of college like the part that you don't really think about when you're paying your tuition is the experience you gain Mm. from finally being independent from having to organize your own schedule build your own schedule but like when you go away you don't like, or sorry, when you're paying your tuition, you don't keep those things in mind. And I yeah. think even, like, as a Punahou student, like, part, a huge chunk of what you pay for is the Punahou experience. Yeah. The experience of, because not every school has that six-day cycle. Yeah. Or, like, this uh, two-hour chunk in the day where you don't have any classes. So, mm-hmm. like, you have to, that experience, like, itself is the knowledge of knowing how to manage your time and yeah be independent and responsible and stuff like that yeah and i think that's super interesting to think about especially for people who haven't taken this class that we're in right now because yeah like you've said like when do we ever consider experience knowledge Mm -hmm. like i feel like i feel like we don't think about it enough but it's true that's why there's like people call it like street smarts right yeah like Uh learning through experiences yeah it's just interesting (laughs) Yeah, I think it just definitely depends on your outlook, which is, like, everybody has their own perspective. 
everybody's perspective of the world is based off of themselves mm-hmm. and and their experiences that, before yeah, will affect what they perceive as knowledge and I don't think there's only one answer yeah for sure everything a lot of things in philosophy there's no right or right wrong. or wrong and singular idea mm-hmm. for this one topic but yeah I think it really just depends yeah I think so too um so I guess leading into the next how would you define your personal identity um oh um I kind of added this in. I forgot to tell you about it. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> no, um, I saw it and then I'm rolling with it. <laughs> uh, we we discussed uh, nationality in our last day of like really taking in all of Unit Two for Miss Moriyama's class, and um, I think it's really it would be interesting to talk about with us just because we're both from Hawaii, but we kind of have like really different backgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, and like. We're both single children, but yeah. still. We're very, like, I mean, we're very the same, obviously. Like, yeah. sometimes on a creepy level, Shane are, are the exact same person. <laughs> yeah. Which we <laughs> won't get into. But, um, you know, we're very different. Like, you're mixed. Mm-hmm. I'm mixed ethnicity-wise. Like, not racially, but, mm. you know, and you, you've lived on a different side of the island for part of your life. Yeah. And, and so I thought it would be interesting to talk about that and how that has influenced us and how and uh sorry us ourselves and like how we know that about ourselves and yeah what do we really even take into consider all of those things yeah, yeah that's super interesting um so currently i'm still on the first day about talking about the self and the personal identity so <laughs> do you want to give this one a shot first and then um, follow yeah i mean it's not too it's like we're just talking about ourselves here but Mm -hmm. really as like like nationality wise like it's kind of crazy to i never think of myself as an american yeah like which is so strange right yeah like lived in this country for 18 years (laughs) like i've traveled to the mainland multiple times i've voted yeah and i still don't really feel like american yeah i just feel like I'm from Hawaii, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not Hawaiian, but I've been, like, indulging in this culture for my entire life, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, yeah, I just never think about my nationality, because I just always think, I guess saying my nationality, in quotation marks, is Hawaii, and, yeah, and my, because that's, like, my home, and I don't, Hawaii is such a special place. Like, yeah. there's no other place in the world like it. And it's very different from the mainland. The mainland. Even. Yeah. yeah, so... I think this makes me question, like, what does it even mean to be something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean to be American? Because like you said, like, people have fought for the right to vote for so many years. Yeah. And so I feel like for a lot of people, that's kind of, like, the keystone like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can vote I am American yes. right? I am an American citizen and therefore I can vote like you can't even run for president if you're not in, mm-hmm. considered an American citizen right um, and so yeah it just makes me question like like what does it mean to be American like at what point am I American mm-hmm. and at what point yeah. am I not it's super funny that you asked that question because we read this paper called or uh, not no 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 there was a, there's an essay mm. I think it's an essay called 
what is a nation? Oh, wow. Yeah, so like, <laughs> like your exact words almost, but I think, I think it's by a French. Miss Moriyama, don't come for me. I think it's by <laughs> this French guy. I don't fully remember, but we read a little section of it, and it was super um, interesting. And it makes you kind of think about your community, really. Like, what is your community like? Yeah. How has your community influenced you, and can you be part of multiple communities? Can yeah. you be part of one, or like does only one of them define you? You know. Mm-hmm. So it's so funny that you said those like exact same words. <laughs> I promise I didn't read it, uh, but yeah, I think that's something that's really interesting to think about and talk about. Um, I guess going off of personal identity because I haven't said much about this, but as Riley said, I am mixed racially, so I am white and Japanese. I'm not too sure specifically what type of white, but I think it's Polish. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Riley and I are very similar in many ways, and still so different mm-hmm. too. Um, we were both raised in Hawaii, as she said. We're both only children. We both dance. Yeah. We both like singing, <laughs> like music, like fashion. Um, but yet ourselves, I guess you could say, in our identities. Differ so much, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, it's definitely not all just experience, but I think that definitely plays a big part, um, such as upbringing, you know, different mm-hmm. beliefs, and I think that is something that makes it interesting because while you can have super similar interests and similar circumstances, it kind of just shows like. One person could never yeah. be the same as someone else, mm-hmm. and I think that individuality is kind of like, if we were to ask, like, oh, like, what do you live for? Like, if everything else is fake, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that remains. Yeah, you know? like, the one thing that you could for certain say is, I am not like someone else. Mm-hmm. There's no way that someone has the exact same combination stew of <laughs> of experiences and you know and stuff like that. And yeah, I don't know. It's just. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll leave you guys with... thinking. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? <laughs> so, we just said the same exact thing. What? Um... Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, you, after you. you. Um, so, as we are saying, we'll leave you with that. Um, we hope we gave you a little food for thought. Yeah. Um, a little, a little philosophy for thought. Um, yeah. Thank you for joining us on the dive. Thank you for tuning in to our very first episode. Yeah. Let's get id. Um, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs>